0: He's a lizard. In the name of God, who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Amen. Good morning to all of you. Good morning to those who are watching online. I thought I knew what I was going to preach about. I was all set uh, to preach an epiphany sermon. Uh, creation and new creation. Genesis one, baptism of Jesus uh, from the Gospel of Mark. But then Wednesday happened. We were so ready for 2020 uh, to be gone. I saw a meme that said, um, "I just thought it was really concise and to the point." Said 2021 just said to 2020, "Hold my beer." Which, some of you get that, and some of you don't. but um, I intentionally, very intentionally steer away uh, from public political commentary, with very rare exception. But Wednesday's riots are what's occupying our hearts and our minds right now. Uh, the images that came out of our capital uh, were disturbing and heartbreaking and terrifying to all of us, regardless of our political affiliations. 20 years ago, I, uh, after 9-11, I remember feeling that while something certainly had been taking, taken from us nationally, the, the loss also felt very personal. Very personal. Something that, that we never imagined could be taken from us. And then after uh, Charlottesville and the riots this summer, I was grieved, and and in some cases rocked by the images of Americans with different ideologies fighting violently against each other and against law enforcement. This week, I felt all of that. The, The very national loss felt personal. Grief and horror at the sight of Americans destroying something that Americans hold sacred ostensibly in the name of the very democracy that they seem to me uh, to be attacking. The goal of this sermon is absolutely not to lift up or tear down Republicans or Democrats. Uh, My belief is that the gospel does not fall upon that spectrum. But I want to think with you biblically about what happened and specifically about what led to what happened and about our response as Christians. And So I ask you just to listen to what I have to say and hold it up to Scripture and say your prayers. You can like it or not like it or agree or disagree, but I think we can agree to think prayerfully and faithfully about the issues that are before us.
1: So we're going to land
0: in Mark with Jesus' baptism, but we're going to begin with Psalm 29. And we're going to see in this psalm the worship that God warrants, the storm that God sends, and the peace God promises. The worship God warrants, the storm God sends, the peace God promises. So first, the worship that God warrants. Psalm 29, attributed to King David, it is a poem of pure, unbridled praise to God. It is worship. And the very first thing that we see is that David is calling for praise to the one true God. Now, what's translated in, in your bulletin as you gods is really better rendered as you heavenly beings or uh, you sons of God. And what David is referring to is the angels. He's referring to the angels of God because. Every, uh, even God's perfectly faithful, glorious warriors of light themselves pale in comparison to the glory of God. All of the glory and all of the strength of the angels comes from God. So commentators suggest that David is calling the angels to worship because he sees his own praise and worship as insufficient alone to reach the glorious heights that the Lord deserves. In other words, so glorious, so exalted, so holy is God that the only sufficient expression of praise to God would be the unified, focused, undistracted, and unshared worship of all beings together in heaven and on earth. I think this is partly what we mean when um, ourselves, at the end of our right to service, when we say, uh, we ask God to give us the grace to go forth with gladness and singleness of heart. This unified praise from all creation is the devotion God deserves. The worship God alone warrants, but wow, it is so easy to let our hearts get Distracted. We so easily let all sorts of things take the place of God's glory in our hearts. Things like money and power and sex and accomplishment. The applause of others. Our wants, our expectations. And we often call these things idols. Uh, Idols. Not uh, handmade stone or Golden gods, but things that we take that are otherwise good, and we make them ultimate things in our hearts. Um, Things we make them something we have to have apart from God in order to be happy or satisfied. And I would offer that perhaps the deep divisions in our country have come largely because we have made idols of our political ideologies on both sides. We've let our dreams of what might be and our convictions of what should be unseat our trust in the God who is. Who created us to love us and who gave himself for us. Unless we have our way, we come to feel like we will never actually be happy or prosperous or safe. And the further we go down that road, we may begin even to invoke God's name and convince ourselves that God is on our side and that God wants what we want and then we defend our position in self-righteous ways that totally dishonor Him. This is not the problem of the political right or the political left. This is a human problem. This is my problem. And this is your problem. All of us do this in different ways. As a friend and mentor of mine was fond of saying, uh, we we all are OS positive. We are all original sin positive. So we don't fight these idols with other idols you replace one addiction with another. We fight idols with repentance and prayer. We renew Uh, again and again, our ultimate trust in God alone. David's call to praise is a call to all of us to identify our idols and take them off the throne of our hearts and ascribe once again to the Lord the glory due His name and His name alone. That is easier said than done. So that brings us to the second point. We see that we see the storm God sends. So if you look in the middle part of Psalm 29, verses 3 through 9, you see that the metaphor that David is using is that of a violent storm. If you've ever watched a severe storm with the wind blowing and the rain pelting, the thunder rattling, the window panes, and you thought instinctively, man, God is so powerful. That's kind of what's going on here. The storm that David is describing is is the storm of the Lord's voice. The voice of the Lord. I think he uses that refrain seven times. The voice of the Lord. The voice of the Lord. And there's, there's thunder crashing and there's lightning flashing. The voice of the Lord is powerful, disruptive, even fearsome. And yet also full of majesty, splendor. There's this sort of wild beauty the storm is tremendous. It's snapping mighty cedar trees like twigs. It's making the entire country of Lebanon start like a scared calf. It makes the giant snow-capped Mount Hermon shake like a scared baby ox. There's a sense in which the storm of the Lord's voice is breaking and shaking things that are powerful and strong, things that are deeply now, I admit, there's no context given. There's no indication that David is specifically referencing political conflict. Though, of course, he endured much political conflict in his life and his reign as king. But I, for one, sure hope that the voice of the Lord breaks and uproots the powerful, strong, and deeply rooted idols in our hearts, especially the idols that turn us against one another, the idols that have us hating and hurting those who share different convictions and those whom we believe to have done wrong. The Lord alone is glorious and worthy of our undivided praise, and it is His powerful voice that uproots and breaks down the idols of our distracted praises. should say the idols that distract our praises. The psalm says the voice of the Lord makes the oak trees writhe and strips the forests bare. So how do we hear the Lord's voice? Well, it's through His Word. It's through His Word, His Scripture that's a gift to us. Scripture, it gives us the guardrails. If our life with Christ is only spiritual, if it is only prayer and emotion and devotions written from our preferred perspective, then God is going to begin to look a lot like us. We're going to begin to make God in our own image. And friends, that is a perfect recipe for invoking the name of Almighty God to bless our own idols of ideology. God has given us His Word, His Bible, to challenge us, to shape us, to bring the storm that wrecks what needs wrecking in our lives. There's tremendous blessing in that. I mean, it's painful to have something uprooted in our life, but there's tremendous blessing. Do you see what the result is? The people are all in the temple doing what? Crying glory. They are free. Because the storm, has blown through. Well, That leads us to the final verses of the psalm where we see the the peace God promises. The Lord sits above the flood, the psalm says, which is to say the Lord sits above the things that overwhelm us, that scare us and threaten us. He's above it. He has not gotten caught up in it. He has not been swept away by it. And the Lord sits enthroned as King forevermore. Scary events and political turmoil, even national uncertainty do not change the fact that God is on His throne. And we can say today, just as we could when the Twin Towers fell, that God is in control. Neither the actions of hooligans nor of any elected Official can change the promise that the Lord shall give strength to his people, the Lord shall give his people the blessing of peace. Now, of course, we pray that God would give us the absence of violence. We pray that things sacred and foundational to our national identity, like things like legitimate democracy and constitutional procedure, that they would neither be cheated or attacked. But let us not sell ourselves short on the peace of God. For a greater peace than nonviolence is promised. It is a peace that surpasses not just understanding, but every fearsome situation. We have a peace with this glorious God of the storm. We have the assurance that the God who could judge us, loves us. He forgives our idolatrous hearts and our misguided actions. We have the assurance that all things work to the good of those who love God back. We know this. We know this because the Word of the Lord the creative and stormy voice of the Lord became flesh and dwelt among us. And to inaugurate His ministry, the incarnate voice of the Lord went to a small and fairly unimpressive muddy river and stood in line with sinners. And He waited His turn to get baptized like everybody else. And we know that Jesus was not there to repent of sin because He had no sin to repent of. So, why was He there? Well, Jesus was there to align Himself with us. To identify Himself with us. Jesus was there at the River Jordan to say that there is not one part of your experience that I don't understand. There is not one part of your life that I don't care about. There is not one sin that I won't forgive. There is not one soul on the right or the left that I won't die for. I am here because I am here for you. And then when Jesus, the Word made flesh, came up out of the water, the heavens parted. As if to say the storm of God's judgment cleared. And God the Spirit descended upon God the Son who heard the voice of God the Father say, You are my Son, my Beloved, and with You I am well pleased. We have peace with God. Which means that if you are in Christ, then this same declaration is made over you. You are my Son. You are my Daughter. My Beloved. And with you, I am well pleased. We love our country, and that is good and right, but we have a higher and greater love. We are committed to our various ideologies about how our country should be run, and we are committed often to elected officials who we hope will run the country the way that we desire. But we Christians have a higher commitment and a greater desire. And so, friends, wherever you find yourself upon the political spectrum, let each of us repent of the idols in our hearts. And cast our copper crowns before Calvary's cross. For we have Jesus Christ who is worthy of our worship, who sends the storm of His Word and by whom the Lord shall send the blessing of His peace. We are in His gracious, loving, and sovereign hands. Let us strive to love Him alone in return above all things. And when we fail, and we will, let us turn back once again. Amen.